Thanks for being here. My name is Ryan. I'm a student pastor here at Beach. We're in week two of a series called Better Together, Better Together. Last week we talked about um, what is community? Uh, how are we better together? Why are we better together? Why do we need community? Um, and kind of the two big ideas that we talked about were um, that, first of all, that we're just better together. We are made to be together in relationships. We're better. Human beings are better when we work together and when we live together and we work um, alongside each other than when we're separated and isolated and fighting about everything. Um, and, and not only are we better together, but we were actually created for community. God made us so that we need relationships, so that we need each other. He made it so that we desire to be in relationships with other people, not just like dating, but just friendships and neighbors and and community. And, And that's how he created us to be because he knows that we need each other. We need each other. But um, if you were here last week and, and you heard that message or, or if you just listened to that kind of recap just now and you're thinking like, uh, like okay, yeah, I got friends. I have a family. I, I'm in a life group. I, I got the whole community thing figured out. Uh, this has nothing to do with me. Let, let me tell you why this has something very much to do with all of us, no matter where we are at in our life when it comes to having community. Here's why. Because Just because you have community doesn't make that community good community. A lot of us have community, and it's the wrong kind of community. It's the wrong kind of relationships. It's the wrong people around us. And not that those people, there's something wrong with those people. It's just that we find ourselves, especially when we're young and we're going to school and and we want so so badly to be accepted and, and to meet people, it's very easy to find yourself in relationships you should not be in. And in relationships with people who are not going the same direction as you would like to go. And so, yes, you could be in community and say, okay, well, I got this whole thing figured out. But this week, I want to talk about why we need good community and the difference between good and bad community. And hopefully tonight, uh, you kind of realize something maybe about what's going on in your life or what's happened in the past or what's coming up in the future that, that can benefit you when it comes to the community you surround yourself with. Because last week, we talked about how when you are alone, you are weaker. When you're alone, you are vulnerable. Well, in that same way, but maybe even worse, when you are surrounded by the wrong community, by the wrong people, it it can make you even weaker than when you're alone. It could really destroy your life because you got all these people around you going in one direction and you've got to try to navigate life going against the people that, that, that are in your life. And that's just very difficult to do. We're not really made to try to like swim upstream and like go against the flow. We are better when we're surrounded by good community. And that's the good news about tonight. It's not all just like, hey, you have bad friends, like you're hopeless. Like there's actually a good thing. And it's not just to stay away from bad community. It's that if you surround yourself with the right kind of community, it can change your life. It can change your future. And, uh, and I called this sermon, How to Know Your Future. How to Know Your Future. And here's why I called it that. And it's the first point. It's this. Look at your friends and you'll see your future. Look at your friends and you'll see <clears throat> your future. Sometimes you wonder like, oh, what's God got for me? Well, what's going to happen in my life? If you look around at your friends, you can see a lot about where you are going. If you hang out with a bunch of potheads, probably going to become a pothead at some point, or at least that's the probability. If you hang out with a bunch of people who who don't believe in God, you're going to find yourself questioning your faith. If you hang out with a bunch of people that talk a certain way, you're going to talk like them. If you hang around a bunch of people that don't value school or work or their future or or any kind of responsibility, guess what? You're going to become that same way. And, and, And the reality is, 
whoever we hang out with, like we become like them. If you're surrounded by people that are a certain way, you're going to become like that. And the reason why is that the people around you always influence you. The people around you always influence you. And this isn't just like a thing in middle school and high school. Always. When you're an adult, when you're like a grandparent, when you're a little kid in elementary school, no matter how old you are, the people around you will always influence you. When I was little, like I had, uh, when I was in middle school, I had this best friend named Robbie. And we did everything together. We like, like during the summer, we'd be like spend the night at each other's house, like eight straight nights. And, and like, we would just go home to get like fresh clothes and stuff. Like we hung out all the time. We had all the same friends. We, we listened to the same music. We talked the same way. We had the same jokes. We had the same experiences. And so over time, we became like exactly like each other. If people like listened to us, they'd have no idea what we were saying because like only we understood what we were saying because we were so much alike. And the reality is people just influence us. Like if I, if I hung out, um, here's an example. If I hung out with LeBron James every day for a year, I would get better at basketball. Not because he like tried to teach me how to play basketball, not because I was trying to, but if I hung out with him, if I watched him play, if I heard him talk, if I watched film with him, if I watched him, if I I rebounded for him and passed out to him, if I saw things that he did, naturally, I would become better at basketball because he's the best basketball player in the world. And that's just the natural thing that happens when you're around someone, you become like them. They always will influence you, and it, and it may be good, it may be bad, because everyone around you is either going to do one of two things when it comes to like our faith. They're either going to push us away from Jesus, or they're going to push us towards Jesus. There is no like middle ground. There is no just like standing still. They're either pushing you away, or they're pushing you towards. They're either pushing you towards wisdom and wise decisions and good decisions for your life, or they're pushing you away. And you can be the best Christian in the world. You can know all the verses. You could be raised in church. You can love Jesus. You can know all the worship songs and raise your hands. But if you surround yourself with the people that are walking away from Jesus, it will severely impact you and influence your life. And no one is immune to this. This happens to all of us. This is just like, this is just like a principle. Like we can't avoid it, but we can either use the influence of people to make us better, or we can use the influence of people to make us worse. The Bible's got a ton, a ton of examples of people that hung out with the wrong people, and it messed them up. I, I want to look at one that probably a lot of you have never heard, but it's about this guy named Rehoboam. Rehoboam, it's in 1 Kings chapter 12. We'll put the verses up on the screen. And uh, here's the deal with Rehoboam. Rehoboam, his daddy was the king of Israel, Solomon, one of the greatest kings. And, and when Solomon died, he was going to become king, because it's not like it is now when we, we vote for the president. It was just like whoever the president's son was became the king. And so Rehoboam's going to become the king of this amazing empire. Like, everything's going well. They have tons of money, and, and their army's strong, and like their borders are, 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 are stretched all over the, the area, and they've conquered all these people, and he inherits this great kingdom. And so, uh, so they're going to make him king. So he's going to go to this city, starting in verse 1. He went to Shechem. It's a city. For all Israel had gone there to make him king. So they're going there, just like we would like uh, make our president. Uh, we would inaugurate them in Washington, D.C. They're going to Shechem so that they can make this guy the king of Israel. And Jeroboam, who was a, who was a leader under Solomon, his dad, Jeroboam uh, heard this, and uh, he was in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt, and the, all of Israel sent for Jeroboam, And the entire assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam, and they said to him this. Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. 
So all the leaders of Israel, all the people of Israel, and this guy named uh, Jeroboam go to this king. I know it's a little confusing. Go to this king, Rehoboam, and they say, okay, we're making you king. Here's what we are asking for. We just want you to be easier on us. Solomon was tough, and he made us fight for him, and he made us pay a lot of money and work a lot. It was just difficult living under Solomon. So could you just be a little bit easier on us? And Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. And so the people went away. This is a good decision. He says, I'm going to take a little bit of time and figure this out. So then he makes another good decision. He says, he goes to the elders. And the elders were like all his uncles, all his daddy's friends, all the people he grew up with that are older than him. They had lived with Solomon. They had helped the country become what it was. They were experienced. They were wise. They knew what they were doing. He goes to these men who had served his father during his lifetime. And he asks them, how would you advise me to answer these people? Verse 7, they replied, if today you will be a servant to these people, and if you will serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. So here's what they're saying. If you want to be successful, if you want the people to like you, just give them a little bit of a a favor. Just, Just let up a little bit on them. So he makes a good decision. He takes time. He goes to some wise people, some good community, and he asks them what they should do, and they give him an answer. But verse 8 happens. But, but, Rehoboam rejected. Everybody say rejected. He rejected the advice of the elders, and he consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. This is important. These guys did not know what they were doing. They were young. They were immature. They had never led anything. They had no idea how to govern. Like, they didn't know what they were doing. And worse, they had grown up with him. They were all like boys. They were all just like, they joked around. They like played video games together. They like chased girls together. They went out to bars together. Like, they just like lived up. They lived the life of a, of a little prince together. And like, they didn't know what they were doing. They weren't, they weren't good, uh, good community for him and good counsel. But yet, he goes to them. So he had the, the, the friends of his father But he ignored them, and now he goes to the young guys, the guys who were inexperienced, the guys who were immature, the guys who had grown up with him and were serving him, and and they were kind of power hungry, and they were excited for for becoming like the big shots in the the kingdom, and their their boy was like the the leader of everything now, so they were going to get rich and famous too. And here's what they tell him to do. Well, first he asked them in verse 9, what's your advice? How should we answer these people who say to us, lighten the yoke your father put on us? And remember, the older guys said, you should listen. Be easy on them. Here's what the young guys say. These people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Now this, this is like Bible trash talk. They're saying like, what, what, what they're really telling him to say is they're telling him to go to everybody and be like, my daddy was a punk. My daddy was soft. My daddy was, you think my dad was bad? Wait till you see me. I am gonna be a bad king. Like I am gonna be in power and you guys are like, you're gonna be scared of me. And so they tell him, man, man, go tell them like, your little finger's thicker than your father's waist. Tell them, my father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips He made you work with whips, and I will scourge you with scorpions, which doesn't make any sense. Like, it's like just stupid. It's like when someone talks trash and like, like they don't even know how to like do it. And they're just like saying a bunch of stuff. And you're like, what did you, like what you said makes no sense. That's what they're doing. Like, uh, we're going to whip you with scorpions or something. Like, like, that's the stupidest thing ever. But they're young, they're immature, and they're just talking trash. Like, man, tell them that you are going to be different than Solomon. 
So three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam, as the king had said, come back to me in three days. And the king answered the people harshly. He answered them harshly. He rejected the advice given to him by the elders, and he followed the advice of the young men. It repeats the young men over and over again because it's trying to tell us he went with the bad community instead of the good community. He went with the, the, the unwise instead of the wise. And here's what he said. My father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. And then he uses their trash talk line. He probably thought he was so cool. My father scourged you with whips. I'm going to scourge you with scorpions. And they're all like, okay, whatever. And so the king did not listen to the people for this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken. And when all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king. What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel, look after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. Here's what they're saying. You know, we used to be a part of this thing. We were a part of David. We were a part of Solomon. And now you want nothing to do with us. You're not listening to us. You don't care about us. So you know what we're going to do? Rehoboam, you can be king, but we're going to our own house and we're going to get ours. Like we're going to do things our way and we're not going to worry about you. And Rehoboam thinks, yeah, okay, I'm the king. I'm going to do what I want. So then he sends, in verse 18, he sends out Adoniram, who was in charge of forced labor, to make them work for him. And what do they do? They stoned him to death. And then King Rehoboam's like, oh, crap. Like, the people don't like me, and uh, I may have power, but, like, they're after me. So then he gets in his chariot, and he escapes to Jerusalem. And it says, so, the Isra- so Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Here's what happens on that day. On that day, Israel splits apart. It's like a civil war. It splits apart, and it will never join back together again. It will have a southern kingdom and a northern kingdom, and this was his fault. And it happened in one week of ruling. He ruined everything. And why did he ruin everything? Because he had the wrong community around him. But, but he didn't just get this from himself. Because if you go back one chapter, let's see what Solomon did, his dad. Let's see maybe where he got this idea to listen to the wrong crowd. King Solomon was very wise, but at the end of his life, he did some stupid stuff. Starting in verse uh, 1 of chapter 11, it says, King Solomon loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, who was his, his wife. He loved many other women, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from the nations about which the Lord had said, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. So here's what it's saying. Like, he married all these people. First of all, he wasn't supposed to marry a bunch of people, but he did. And then he didn't marry Israelites. He married all these people from other religions and other cultures, which were the enemies of God. Like, the, these were the enemies of Israel, and yet he marries people from their tribes. And then it says in verse 3, he had 700 wives. Woo! 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, which were kind of like wives, except he just had sex with them and whatever. So he had a 1,000 women in his life, and like... This man's crazy. And, and, and he's, he's living with all these women that are from other nations. And his wives led him astray. This is the wisest man in the world. But yet he surrounds himself with the wrong community. All of a sudden he's getting led astray. Verse 4. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of father, David his father had been. Perhaps Rehoboam looked at how his dad ended and said, oh, you know, I can... I can surround myself with whoever I want, not realizing that that's what messed up Solomon, and it would mess up Rehoboam. But, but there's also one story, at least, that comes to my mind in, in Scripture uh, of good community, of community that helps lead 
uh, a group of young men towards God. There were these, there's these, these guys, and one of them's name is Daniel, and he had these three friends who got renamed, and we know them by their, their new names. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, these four guys were, were young teenagers, and their homes and their nation were conquered by the Babylonians. And so imagine, you're your age, like you're a teenager, and, and some nation overtakes America and comes and takes you away to their nation. And so now they're living in another place, with another language, with another religion, with another culture, with another everything. They don't have their family. They don't have anything they are used to. They're scared. They're surrounded. And they have no idea what to do. But they have each other. And they're taken into the the house of the king, and they're brainwashed, and they're taught all these things. And and, and the very first kind of trial they have is they're they're told to eat these these foods that they're not supposed to eat. And maybe if they were alone, they would have just said, okay, I just got to get by. I just got to survive. But they're together, and they influence one another in a good way. And so they go to this, 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 this leader of, of the young men, and they say, hey, we're not supposed to eat that food. Is there any way we could try this other food? And you just test us and see if we don't, we don't do better than everybody else. And so he lets them do it, and he, they, they do better. They're smarter. They look better. They're healthier. Everything's going well for them. And so he allows them to do what they want. Fast forward a few years, they're rising up in importance, and these men are great men in the kingdom, and they're still living together and helping one another stay close to God, even though they're in this world that is completely foreign to them. And then there's this, this, this law that comes out that says they have to worship an idol. And so they're like, oh, like what do we do? And, and, and the penalty, if they don't do it, is death. They'll be thrown into a furnace and burned alive. And maybe if they were alone... They would, have just, they would have just done whatever it took. But they were together. And they each worship only God. They don't bow down to the idol. And they're brought before the king. And he says, well, what are you doing? You got one more chance or I'm going to kill you. And they could feel the heat coming off the furnace. And they say, they stand there together, shoulder to shoulder. And they say, we are not going to bow down to the idol. Do whatever you want to do to us. And they're thrown into the fire. And they walk out of the fire alive. They are saved by God. And perhaps if they were alone, they would have just given in. But they were together. They were better together. They were with each other, and they kept each other strong. A few years later, Daniel would be in the same situation. He would have this law that forced him to not bow down to God, but he would continue bowing down to God. And he would be caught and brought before the king. This time he was alone, but he remembered the example of his friends. He had the influence of good community, and he so he stands there. He says, I'm going to worship my God. And they throw him into a cave full of hungry lions. And they put a stone over the mouth of the cave. And the next morning, the king goes and checks to see if he's still alive. And Daniel walks out completely unharmed. He's saved by God. And why does he do that? Why is he able to stand up in the middle of like a crazy situation? Like he's been taken from his home. Nobody believes in God except for him and his friends. Why is he able to do that? Because he had a community around him that made him stronger, that allowed him to stand in the face of death, to stand in the face of a king and say, I mean, do what you want, but I'm gonna keep on worshiping God. I'm gonna keep on worshiping God. And can I tell you guys, like, just, just like real talk, honesty, like I've seen so many students who love Jesus, who, 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 go to, who know all the worship songs, go to airports, go on mission trips, and, and they really do love Jesus and they know the scripture and they go to life groups and all that stuff, but they get caught in the wrong community. They hang out with the wrong people. And it's like they're being pulled between two worlds. 
And most of the time, they get pulled away from God. And you can be strong. And you can know the scriptures. And you can, you can feel like you are strong enough to do it on your own. But guess what? You're not. Nobody is. Because we're influenced by the people around us. And so if you're trying to follow after God, but you're doing it around a bunch of people that are pushing you away from God, guess what? You're going to fall away. And it's not because you're a crappy person. It's not because you don't love Jesus. It's because you're surrounded by people who don't want what you want. And that's a problem. I, I, there was a student in our ministry years ago. Y'all, y'all don't even really know him, but years ago. And he was, he was, uh, he was a, a good kid. He, he grew up in a Christian family, grew up in this church, came to this student ministry, um, loved Jesus, uh, you know, went to camp, went on mission trips, um, was in a life group. He, he kind of had the, the, kind of the total surrounding of, 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 of the church. And he loved Jesus. And and yet, he started to surround himself with some people that he should not have been hanging around. Yeah, he had his church friends, but every other day, he was hanging out with these other people. And these other people were into drugs, and they were, they were dealing drugs, all this kind of stuff. So he started to smoke, and he, and he eventually got into situations where he was carrying drugs for them. And one day, one of them said, hey, hey take this backpack, take it over to that guy. No big deal. It's just like a little, you know, just kind of a little passing it on or whatever. But he didn't know. As he walked across that parking lot that the person he was going to was an undercover cop. And a few minutes later, he finds himself handcuffed in the back of a cop car. That night, he finds himself in a juvenile detention center all night, wondering, how did I get here? He didn't get there because he didn't love Jesus. He didn't get there because he's some crappy kid. He got there because he surrounded himself with bad community. He surrounded himself with a bunch of people he should not have been around. And so when he got through those legal troubles, he decided, you know what, I got to do something different. And it's not enough to just go to church. And it's not enough to just go to life group. I have to start hanging out with some people that are different than I used to hang out with. And so he began to distance himself from some of those other people that got him in trouble. And he started to hang out with some people that were following after Jesus. Some people who were going in the direction he wanted to go in. And that changed Everything. He was the same person. God was the same God. But all of a sudden, he was surrounded by people who were moving towards where he wanted to go, that were moving towards Jesus. And guess what? He became more like Jesus. And he grew, and he matured, and he moved away from his past mistakes, and he moved on in his faith. And he still goes to church today as an adult, and he is still following after Jesus. And that happened because he made a a very intentional decision. He said, I'm not going to hang out with these people anymore. I need to find some people who are going in a different direction direction. And so maybe you're asking yourself, how can I find good community? Or how do I know that the community around me is not the right community for me? I want to look at one more scripture, and it's in the book of Acts in the New Testament, starting in chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And uh, these, are, these are some famous verses. You, you may have heard them before. Starting in verse 42, it's talking about the early church, this, this community of believers that are, that are living together and following Jesus together. And here's what it says about them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being 
saved. I see three things in this scripture that, that talks about good community that we can use to make sure we are in good community. If you look at your friends right now and you're like, I'm not in good community. How can I find good community? Or if you're like, I'm not sure like, if these friends are good or these friends are bad. Like, I'm not really sure. These are three things you can look for in your friends or, or in people that you want to begin to hang out with to help you figure out if you're in the, the right community, the community that's going to draw you near to Jesus and not away from him. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What, what does that mean? What that means is that the apostles were teaching that Jesus was Lord, that if you wanted to become a Christian, if you wanted to be saved, you must follow after Jesus. And so the very first thing you can do if you want to, to, to find good community is you need to look for people who are following Jesus. It sounds simple, but, it, but it's not so much. Look for people who are following Jesus. Notice what that doesn't say. That doesn't say look for people who are Christians. Look for people who go to church because, listen, not everybody who goes to church is following Jesus. Not everybody that's a Christian is following Jesus. Look, what I'm saying to look for is people that are actually living out their faith, that are actually walking towards Jesus. Because this is unfortunate, but like you could be hanging out with a bunch of people that are Christians and falling away from God and falling away from Jesus. And we need to make sure we're looking for people who are following after Jesus. And so this early church, they devoted themselves to Jesus. And then the next thing it says they devoted themselves to was to fellowship. And that word fellowship is like a church word for hanging out. And we're like, oh, we fellowship together. And like, maybe you hear like old Christians say that. But it's basically like, it's just Christians hanging out together. It's a Bible word. And here is what the word actually means in the original Greek language. It means to share with or to partner with. Partnering is a lot different than just, eh, we're kind of friends. We kind of hang out. We're cool. Partnering is so much more in depth. Here's what we need to look for. We need to look for people who will partner with you. Look for people who will partner with you. Here, here's the difference. An acquaintance or somebody that doesn't want to partner with you, this is what they'll do. Hey, man, you shouldn't go to that party. Hey, man, you shouldn't hang out with that person. Hey, man, you shouldn't smoke. Hey, hey, why'd you do that the other night? Hey, hey, you should go to church. Hey, man, you should do a quiet time. They just tell you what you should do. They tell you how you did things wrong, but they will not lift a finger to do it. Actually, Jesus looked at the Pharisees, and this was one of his biggest criticisms of them. All the priests and the teachers of the law, Jesus was like, y'all go to people and you give them all these rules and you criticize them, but you won't lift a finger to help them. There's way too many people that won't lift a finger to help you. We've got to find people who will partner with us. Here's, here's the difference. A partner, a partner says this, hey man, I know that you have an opportunity to go there on Friday night. Instead of doing that, why don't you come over to my house? Why don't you come hang out with me and my family? Why don't you come hang out with me and my friends. A partner says, hey, I know you were thinking about, uh, I know you were thinking about um, maybe going to church this weekend and you're not sure. How about this? I'm going to come pick you up and I'll take you to church. A partner says, hey, they don't just say like, hey, you should do quiet times. They say, hey, do you want to pray together? Do, do you want to do quiet times together before, before school, after school? Like, like a partner says, hey, don't say that. Say this instead. And they come with you and they help they, they help you with the conversation. Like a partner actually does it with you. They don't just say it. And, and, and you don't want to surround yourself with a bunch of people who just tell you what to do and won't actually walk with you. 
And he was saying in the early church, they were partnering together. You need some people who will partner with you to help you make wise choices and to keep you away from stupid choices. You need some people that will partner with you in following after Jesus and partner with you in keeping away from, from some certain situations that you shouldn't be in. And then we go to the last, the last verse uh, on this section. Actually, we'll start in verse 46. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Everybody liked them. Not just the church people. Everybody. Why? Because they treated them with love. Because they loved people. They took care of people. Here's the third thing you need to look for if you're looking for good community or God community. You need to look for people who treat you and others with love. Way too many of you hang out with friends who are jerks to you. They're not your friend. I don't care what your history is. If they don't treat you good, then don't hang out with them. They're not not partnering with you. They're not acting out their faith. They're mistreating you. If you have friends, you don't have time for that. None of us got time to hang out with people that mistreat us and make fun of us. And maybe they're a Christian, and maybe they're in this room. But if they ain't going to treat you good, then just don't hang out with them. It's pretty simple. Because they're not treating you with love. They don't care about you. I don't know why they're hanging out with you, but apparently they don't like you. So, so just don't hang out with them. Or, or maybe they treat you good, but they treat everybody else like crap. And guess what? One day... They're going to turn on you. And the way they treat everybody else is how they're going to treat you. And they're going to be gossiping about you and talking behind your back and making you look bad and making fun of you and ignoring you. And you'll say, I can't believe that happened. Yes, you can. Because you watched them do it to everybody else. We don't have time to hang out with people. Good community is not people who mistreat us or mistreat other people. People. Hang out with people who love people. Hang out with people who love you. Hang out with people who respect other people and treat them with dignity and love them. So look for people who are following Jesus. Look for people who will partner with you. Look for people who treat you and others with love. But, but, but I know the question that comes, especially from those of you who have followed Jesus for a while. The question that comes is this. Well, but how do we reach people if all we do is hang out with Christians? Here's how. Here's how. You ask yourself this question. Ask yourself, are you the influencer or are you the influenced? Are you the influencer or are you the influenced? Because this is the key to the whole scenario. See, we need to surround ourselves with people that help us follow after Jesus. But if you hang out with people that aren't following Jesus and all they do is influence you, and push you away from Jesus, how are you going to reach them? You're not. You know what happens when you're on a plane? Most of y'all have been on a flight before. At the beginning, they do these announcements, and they say, if oxygen masks come out of the roof, please put it on yourself before you help the person next to you. And we think, oh, well, that's, that's mean. But here's why they tell you to do it. Because you can't help anybody if you're dead. You can't help anybody if you're passed out. And we got to do this with our own life. We can't help people see Jesus when we are not seeing Jesus. We can't help point people to Jesus when we're not following Jesus. And so if some people are influencing you, you need to back away. You don't have to go to them and say, 
hello, um, my student pastor told me I'm not allowed to hang out with you because God loves me and uh, doesn't love you. Like that, that's, that's not very kind. That's not, that, that's not how we're, we're, you don't have to say anything. You, you shouldn't say anything. Here's what you should do. You realize you're being influenced by somebody and you just back away a little bit. You don't tell them. Maybe you just say, I'm not, I'm not gonna hang out with that person in this situation. I'm not gonna hang out with that person on a Friday or Saturday night because uh, I know where they go. I'm not gonna hang out with that person in these places. I'll only hang out with them at my house or one-on-one or at school or at work or whatever. But like, I'm gonna draw some boundaries. I'm gonna back away from that person because they're influencing me. They, they are pulling me away from Jesus. You gotta ask yourself, are you the influenced or the influencer? Are you making them more like Jesus or are they pulling you away from Jesus? If you realize they're pulling you away from Jesus, you need to back away. You need to be careful because they're bad community for you. They're not good community for you. And if they're influencing you, you're not being good community for them. You're just becoming one of them. And I want to close with this. We, we just need to look at the example of Jesus. Look at what Jesus did. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with murderers. He hung out with soldiers. He hung out with people that weren't a part of his group. He went to parties. He hung out with the drunks. Like He hung out with the drug dealers and the criminals. He hung out with all these people. But guess what? He never became like them, did he? You don't ever see him being like, yeah, guys, let's go get drunk, man. That's awesome. No, we don't see Jesus doing that. He hung out with them, but he didn't get influenced by them. He was always the influencer, right? He was the healer. He was the lover. He was the server. He reached out to them, but he did not become like them. So so he was influencing so he could stay around those people and reach out to them. And perhaps you need to spend some time getting stronger before you go influence that person. Or perhaps you're not the person to influence influence that person. Maybe now's not the right time. Maybe you're not the person. Because you gotta keep yourself alive and keep your path before you try to go saving everybody else. And look at Jesus' closest relationships. He had the 12 disciples. He didn't have 5,000 disciples. He had his group, like a life group. And they were all following after God and they were all partnering together and they were all doing things alongside one another. And he didn't try to be best friends with everybody. He had his group. And his group worked together and empowered each other to go and change everybody else. They were good community that reached out to the lost and to the lonely. And so here's how, uh, here's how we're gonna respond. Now. I just want you to spend a moment thinking and don't, don't look at your neighbor, don't look it down at what they're writing or what they're typing. But, but I'd love for you to just spend a, a moment writing down or thinking about or, or typing into your phone the names of a few people who you know you should not be around. And if you just wanna think about it and write it down later, that's cool too. Who are the people that are pushing you away from Jesus? Who are the people that you should not be around? Who are the bad community for you? Who are the people that are not right for you to be around? And you need to just take some action. Again, you don't tell them. You just back away. You just take some time off. You take a time out. You spend some some, some time away from them. You You don't heavily invest in that place because you're getting influenced. I also want you to think about the people who help you be like Jesus. Who are the people that you can go to anytime? Who are the people that help you serve like Jesus? Who are the people that help you love like Jesus? Who are the people that help you get in the word or go to church? Who are the people that are always there for you, loving you, taking care of you, taking care of other people? Who are the people that you can trust? Who are the people that love Jesus? Those are the people you need to grab on tight to and not let go. If it's an adult, if it's a parent, 
it's a sibling, if it's a friend, if it's someone that you don't know that well, but they're in your life group, like find that person and spend more time with them. Well, let's, let's, let's be influenced by the right people so that we can influence the other people that don't know Jesus. Guys, community is not just about, hey, I got a bunch of friends. Community is about having the right friends, having the people that are pointing you to Jesus, being in a life group, being committed to your life group, being around accountability and life group leaders and all of that. And so I want to encourage you this week to really be thinking about what you need to do, what, 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 what relationships you need to take a time out on, what relationships you need to dive deep into so that you can follow after Jesus. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. I pray for each person in this room, each adult, each middle schooler, each high schooler. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that we would surround ourselves with the right community. We would surround ourselves with the right people. That we would not put ourselves around people that are dragging us away from Jesus. But that we would be moving towards the people that are moving towards you. That we would find the right relationships, the right community that helps us be more like you. And Lord, I pray that we can strengthen ourselves and become stronger in our own faith so that we can begin to influence other people instead of being influenced. Lord, we ask this in your holy and precious name.